diligently working back there, and I hate they're working so hard because I, uh, it wasn't life and death for us to be able to have this tonight, but uh, it's just a kind of a little bit of a, a blessing. Sometimes, uh, do I have, is this on? Am I turned on here? Okay, it is now, all right. Romans chapter 10, going to look at verse 13 is where we're going to begin. I uh, do want to say uh, just a couple things. One, uh, thank you again for praying for my dad uh, back from the hospital again, and, and uh, he's back from the hospital. He's there at the house uh, getting some better, um, totally blessed um, with got him a hospital bed, and that is just an incredible blessing because he slept so much better the last two nights uh, with a hospital bed, able to prop up and different things, and and uh, just just been so much better for him, and I sure appreci- appreciate those that help with that, and then uh, uh, just thank you for your prayers, appreciate that. Uh, make sure and uh, walk by and, and make uh, Brother Jesse and Ms. Rochelle feel welcome, and since this is their anniversary uh, you know, maybe uh, tell them happy anniversary by slipping something in their hand, all right? Amen. Uh, and if you want to, slip it in my hand, and then most of it I'll slip in his hand. So, but if you go to Romans chapter 10, verse 13, if you look at it, I don't even have it here. Hold on. Got turned away from it there. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Of course, if, you, if you've ever been soul winning for very long, you're very, very familiar with this. Uh, in verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you've never won somebody to Christ, let me just make this challenge for you. Get one of our tracks, get one of them, and it's got the verses on the back of it. Probably, you know, even the, the, the at most average intelligence, and, and I'm kind of making a, you know, like a New Year's resolution that I'm not going to throw out names when I say stuff like that. Um, about average intelligence or slightly below. Um, I'm not going to call out any names or anything when I say it, but, but you know, you ought to memorize that. Just take, take that and memorize those verses. Uh, it's just, it's really simplistic, and, uh, you know, but it'll help you immensely when you go to talk to somebody about the Lord if you just have those simple verses memorized. I had a couple, an opportunity a couple of different times to to ride with a couple of my, my um, grandsons, grandchildren, and as I would ride with them someplace, I would start going over these, these verses with them. I would just start, we would just take out, and I'd hand them one track, I'd keep one track, we're driving, and just, I'm going over these verses. Do you know these verses? And they would sort of know part of it. I'd say, you know what? Uh, in, in a week's time, you could have every one of these verses memorized. They're so short, so simple. But uh, just for that, it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, and verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that <laughs> preach the gospel of priests. Bring glad tidings of good things. Um, Started taking my shoes off, but that would not be beautiful. I just, I just want to warn you, those are some ugly toes. But uh, uh, we're, we're going to read through this all, but I'm going to stop just right there. To, you know, tonight, we're going to observe just a simple but logical progression that God does. And I, and I like the way that the Lord does this. He just, he just lays out things in, in just sort of a progression of things. 
He says here, he says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he says, just real simple, if you call upon the name of the Lord, understanding that he is the Lord, uh, understanding that his name, again, means that authority, and I'm having trouble with this thing tonight, and I'm not sure exactly why, um, but his name is his authority, and so he says, if you call upon him, understanding who he is, what he's done, that he died, that he was buried, rose from the grave, he said, that person shall be saved. Not maybe, not hope so, but shall be. Uh, but then he says, verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him and of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And so if someone calls on the name of the Lord, uh, they are saved, but they will not call on someone that they do not believe is able to save them. And so he's, he's saying, uh, you know, just he's laying it out. He's saying, you know, people got to hear about the Lord. People got to hear that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And folks, listen, if we're going to win this community, we got to start spreading the word. We got to tell them. Uh, you know, I'm thrilled that, that we've, we've got some, some, uh, some young, uh, young to our church. I'm not saying how young they are as Christians, but young to our church. Uh, that are, you know, they're bringing friends and bringing people and, and inviting people to come into church. And that's a wonderful thing. Let's, uh, you, uh, oh, Jesse was telling me, and I just think this, I told him, you know, Memphis is a little bit different place than Chicago because he went to work yesterday, wasn't it? Yesterday, first day, or was it Monday? Yesterday. Yesterday he went to, went to work, and the uh, doc supervisor said, you know, said basically, and if I get this right, said, you know, hello, Jesse, glad you're here, glad you're working here, i got a question for you. And he looked at him, and, and Jesse said, the big old guy about 6'3", he said, he looked at him and said, do you know for sure that if you died, you go to heaven? <laughs> and Jesse looked at him and said, man, I was so shocked I almost couldn't answer it. <laughs> he said, but right there, my own, my supervisor is just, and he said, and the guy who's training him is a Baptist preacher. And so he's got the doc supervisor who's witnessing to him. And when Jesse gave him the answer, you know, he gave him the right answer. So he turned from Jesse and just went to the next guy and said, how about you? He said the other, next guy just kind of parroted what Jesse said because he was scared to death. But, but you know, uh, I love that. I love the fact that, that somebody's out there with boldness and just saying, hey, we got to win people to Christ. And so... Uh, if we're going to do it, we've got to tell them about Jesus. And, and they will not call on someone that they do not believe is able to save. So they got to know who he is. They, uh, folks, they got to know that he is the Son of God, God incarnate, God in the flesh. Otherwise, he can't save. But they cannot believe, the scripture way it's put out here, it said, but they cannot believe on someone if they've never heard of them. So there must be a preacher. And in, in this terminology here, it's not talking about how the pulpit preacher, it's talking about soul winners. It's talking about there's got to be somebody that's going out there and proclaiming, that's what this word, proclaiming the gospel. And you know, all of us need to proclaim the gospel. You know, I, I just, I don't want it to ever get old. You know, that's what, it's wonderful when the, when the, the, the true green guy comes up and we're, we're able to win him to the Lord. It's wonderful when somebody comes up to get food that we're able to win him to the Lord. It's wonderful that when we, when we meet somebody on the street that we're able to tell them about Jesus. But, but folks, how much more can we get done if more people do it? 
Hello? He's smiling now. We, we really, it's just a wonderful thing, and it's not hard. And, and watch this. Watch this. Please understand this when I say this. It's the proclaiming of the gospel that makes us obedient and also brings us joy and also brings us peace. It's the proclaiming. Forgive me. It's not the winning. It's the proclaiming. Because you can't make anybody get saved. But you can tell everybody. You can get it to everybody. You, again, it, it may be the best you can do is, is hand them that track. I, I hand these things out all over the place. And, and uh, I, you know, my dad, uh, uh, just uh, Sunday when I came back from church, he, he looked at me and he said, was anybody there? And I thought, what in the world are you talking about, Dad? I, you know, I hope there was somebody there at church. And I looked at him and I said, what do you mean, was anybody there? He said, was there anybody from the hospital there? You know why? Because we had several of the nurses done promised us sometime along the way they're going to come. Okay? We won't win everybody. But we can tell a whole lot more people than we're telling. Are you okay with that? I hope so. So it's logical and analytical what God's laying out here. It's, it's, it's really so plain. And yeah, thank you. You moved it for me, didn't you? See, I... I I, I, swear, I didn't make it big enough. Uh, sorry about that, y'all. I'm getting, I'm getting used to this. But, so it's logical and analytical as well as systematic. Each piece hinges on the previous piece that he's saying in here, the way he's laying this out. Each piece cannot exist without the previous piece. And what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, the verse there. He says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but how then shall they Call on him in whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe it on him whom they have not heard? If they've never heard, they're not going to get saved. If, they've never, if they don't hear about, about Jesus, they're not going to get saved. If they don't hear about Calvary Baptist, they're not going to come. So, you know, that's why you have a sign out there so somebody can hear and see and come. So, but uh, but we, we're, we're billboards everywhere we go where it should be. And so each piece cannot exist without the previous piece. But the final statement is more of a challenge than a conclusion. The preacher, to preach with conviction so that the hearer will believe, must be sent by God and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Also, the preacher must be sent by man in the sense that man needs to support the preacher if he is to go out into the world and preach the gospel. He is the laborer, and the laborer is worthy of his hire. And, and, and this is, again, this is a, a dual meaning here, but that's talking more specifically about the one who spends his life out uh, sowing and preaching. But it says in verse 15, And how shall they preach except they be sent? Now, Watch this now. I think it's twofold here, twofold the sent. It's, it's sent by uh, the Holy Spirit of God. I, I believe, forgive me, but I, I think there is sometimes when we get real, real zealous about sowing, there's a whole lot of soul winning that's, that's done without the Spirit of God. Now, watch this. People still get saved because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So you can be absolutely powerless, but the Word of God is always powerful. So, but how many more people could you win if you went out with a powerful weapon and a powerful person inside of you? And so he should be sent. The Holy Spirit should be sending him, sending him out. And then 
When it says, as it is written, notice when it says, as it is written, it's talking about somewhere in the Old Testament this was written. And thank you all for moving this for me. May I just have you do this from now on. You just move it for me. I don't have to worry about it. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Uh, as it is written, it goes back to the Old Testament. And what he's talking about, quoting here, is, old, is Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. And uh, I think that's on the, uh, the next one. If you go to the next one there. Well, you, maybe you go to the next one. There we go. <laughs> all right. Uh, we're going to get this, this big technology and all this kind of stuff. We're going to get this down. But it says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings that publishes peace. Notice that bringeth good tidings of good that publishes salvation. It's uh, uh, God saying in, in, in Romans chapter 15, he just, he's reiterating or, or kind of sort of quoting uh, Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7. But he's talking about that, that God, God thinks that when you go, when you take the gospel to people, God says, that's beautiful. That's you know, I don't know that God says that it's beautiful about much anything else that we do in the Christian life, but he says when you take the gospel, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Now, in Isaiah 52, we see the messianic promise, and Paul is applying this passage to those who are sent by God to preach the word of God. But now understand that in reality, all of us as Christians have been sent to preach or proclaim the gospel. So we we can't ever forget that, and this thing's going to worry me to death. We can't ever forget that. Uh, we, we are all sent to preach the gospel of Christ. When we are saved, we are sent. From the moment you get saved, you're sent. Uh, it took me way too long as a Christian to understand that, to comprehend that. Uh, but, but when I finally understood that as a saved person, I was also sent, God allowed me to win both my mom and dad to Christ. And so, you know, it's very important. And then uh, police officers to Christ. And then people are working. I was talking to Brother Jesse, you know, because the work environment and how I was really thrilled that at least there's some Christians there where he had him and his work environment. But, you know, when I went to Bible college and started work there at a place called Sport Mart, just catching shoplifters, I, I didn't know one other Christian in that whole place. It, it was just the language, the music, the filth. It was rampant in there. But, but I'm going to tell you this, that if you will just stay faithful and you'll continue to give the gospel and you continue to live like a Christian or live, not perfect, but to do the very best you can. Uh, before I left, three and a half years later, 13 of the people I worked with got saved. One night when I went to preach at 6 o'clock over in, 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 in uh, Salt Village or Cal City, I can't remember now which one, I think it's Cal City, I went over to, to preach in a little church over there, and it was actually somebody I worked with who started working with me, uh, whose daddy was a deacon of the church. They didn't have a pastor, and they asked me to come. I got approval from the college as about a junior in college, and I went over there to preach, and they, they closed the store 15 minutes early so those, those people that I'd won to Christ could come to church to hear me preach. And listen, that's not me. What I'm trying to tell you is that's just, that's just a dumb old country boy that just felt like I was, I was sent to give the gospel. I'll, I'll throw this out too, though. I was also sent to work harder than anybody else worked. They'll listen a whole lot better if you do that. 
Now understand that in reality, all of us are Christians have been sent. When, when we are saved, we're sent. Sadly, there are those, though, who will not believe. And that's why I tell you that, it's, that what God tells us to do is go proclaim it, but we can't force them. If you go, here, I'll do it. Uh, you go to the, it says, but they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? And listen, you're going to go out some days, it's just, it just, it's a given. You're going to go out some days, if you start coming on visitation on Saturday, or if you just go any other day of the week or any other time, there are some people, watch it, you might be surprised, there's some people going to reject you, okay? There's some people going to slam the door in your face. There's some people just going to look at you and throw the track back at you. There's some people going to do that, and, and, and it, look, don't let it discourage you because you are a success for God because you're out giving the gospel. You're out doing what he commanded you to do. You cannot force, God won't even force people to get saved. We can't force them to get saved. And so, but they have not obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? In Isaiah 53, we see the question posed. And God follows with this description of the Savior as though to say to this world, you, you refuse him, but nevertheless, he has given all for you. And we're not going to go to Isaiah 53 right now and look at it, but, but this is what he's really talking about. As Isaiah said, Isaiah 53, he tells how the people just reject Christ. They reject him. And so uh, this passage has been about the gospel being preached and proclaimed to the world uh, now you come to verse 17. Now look at verse 17. It says, so, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. Now, this part of the chapter is stressing the importance of spreading the gospel and the responsibility of the Christian to be willing to be sent. So he's saying, so then faith cometh by hearing. Again, how are they going to hear? Except they be sent. And hearing by the word of God. So what they hear is very important. It's not, you know, he's being very descriptive here. He's saying they got to hear, but they got to hear the word of God. But he said, have they not heard? Now he's kind of shifting gears here now. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily. Their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the earth. Why is it so important to hear? Because faith cannot come until one hears. But what they hear is vital. So vital that God makes it clear that faith can only come by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. The fact that some will not yield to what they have heard does not mean, though, that they have not heard. And God just saying, look. Uh, the fact that a lot of people uh, out there have rejected me, he said, they have heard. They are without excuse. They have heard. Verse 18 says, but I say, have they not heard? Uh, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. The gospel was and will be spread throughout the world so that there is no excuse. God is saying that, that the, the gospel has spread. He, he said uh, the people have heard. What he's trying to make clear is that they've heard it, they rejected it. 
they rejected it. And why is he making it so clear? We're about to see now because we're, he, the, the latter part of this chapter is going to start dealing with the Jews and Gentiles. And he's making it real clear before he shows that the Jews have kind of been, uh, best terminology I can use, kind of cast aside because they rejected Christ and they've been turned to the Gentiles. He's making it real clear uh, that nobody's been, watch this, nobody's been unfair to them. Nobody uh, shortchanged them. God is making it real clear before he addresses the issue. Look, they heard it. They have all heard it. And now, here's where the thought changes somewhat. Instead of the emphasis being the gospel and the spreading of the gospel, the issue now becomes God's chosen people and the Gentiles who have been engrafted into the vine. Uh, verse 18, you uh, or he did that. Let's see. Verse 19. It says, But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. Now, God is, is, is speaking. Now, this is being addressed to the Jews. Paul is being allowed to speak to the Jews. And truthfully, He's, he's looking and he's speaking to the pride and arrogance of the Jews. Paul is one more time showing his burden and concern for the people of Israel because there's no reason for them to reject Christ. Now, this, I hope I can make this clear. He is, look, he, he gives a reference here. He says, first Moses saith. And what's happening here is that First, Moses spoke of Christ, and Isaiah spoke of Christ, so their belief in the Old Testament Scriptures should have led the Jews to believe in Jesus when he came. What he's saying is, look, you can go back to Moses, and Moses is, is laying the foundation for Jesus to come. Isaiah is going to talk about Jesus who's going to, to come, the, the land that's slain. And he's going to talk about him. And he's saying, so the Jews have no reason to reject Christ. It's there. It's been given to them even in the books that they believe. They believe the Old Testament. And they believe in what has already been said. And, and what, what Scripture is saying here is that these people are not believing when it's all being given to them, and they should believe. They have no reason not to believe. He says, I will provoke you to jealousy, though, by them that are no people. He, again, just speaking to their, their, their pride and arrogance. Um, Jesus, uh, to Paul, it just does not make sense that they should reject Jesus. Not only is the truth in the word for the Jews, but it was proclaimed to the whole world, so truly they are without excuse. And this is what God's saying. He said, look, you had it. It's in the word of God. You believe in Moses. Moses talked about it. You believe in Isaiah. Isaiah's talked about it. And then Jesus came just like they said he would. It all happened just like they said he would. It all happened just like prophecy said it would. What in the world is your excuse? Now, this thought continues in verse 20. It says, but Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. Now, 
it elaborates on the rejection of, of the Jews and the acceptance of Christ by the Gentiles. And this is what he's talking about here. He's, he's talking about these last couple of verses. He's talking about that the, uh, that the Jews had no reason to reject him, but they did. And now the Gentiles, he's been brought to the Gentiles, and they have accepted him. Uh, you know, these are the people that are no people. Uh, you know, and to the to the Jews, they're lowly people. They're below them, and yet salvation has come to them, and it came to them because the uh, Jews had rejected it. And the Old Testament Scripture teaches that the Jews will hear the gospel, and the Gentiles will hear and receive the gospel, if for no other reason than jealousy. And that's what I believe he's really saying here when he talks about this jealousy. Is that for no other reason than jealousy, the Jews should consider Christ. You know, the Jew ought to be jealous that they, the chosen people, the people superior, these wonderful people, they don't have salvation, but these Gentiles do. They ought to be jealous of that, even through jealousy. Something ought to drive them to say, wait a minute, time out. I want what they have. Why did they get this? Because we're the chosen people. Well, they got it because you rejected it. Surely, if salvation had come to the Gentiles, it would be available to the Jews, God's chosen people. But sadly, you see verse 21, it says, But, the, but to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. You see, God's just making it real clear in this last portion of the, the passage. He's speaking to the Jews they're his chosen people, but what has happened is the Jews become prideful. They become prideful in their, as possessors of the Word of God. They become prideful in, in, in their position as uh, the people of God, the chosen people of God. And somehow, in the, in the course of time, somehow in the teaching, somehow they got led away in their pride to believe that they're special with God and God's going to take care of them and God's going to save them and God's going to do for them because they are chosen. Because they are God. And, and really, initially, they feel like they were chosen because they deserve to be chosen. You see, disobedient here means to refuse to be persuaded. So the Jew, why is the, the Jew refusing to be persuaded? Why, even today, is he refusing to be persuaded? When you would think if you sat down with any Jew and just went to Isaiah 53, and one day we'll, we'll study through that, but if you went down to Isaiah 53 and you just read through that, and with them having the historical information about Jesus Christ and the crucifixion, they would have to look at that and say, that's got to be the Savior. But he says they're a disobedient and gainsaying people. They reject, they refuse to be persuaded. The pride and arrogance of the Jew is so great for he has come to believe he is chosen because he is a superior people. He also feels he's a superior people because he was chosen. Now get that now. They, he, they just think, okay, they think that there's, they were chosen because God looked down at all the peoples of the earth and said, these are the best ones. These are the most incredible people. 
These are, this is the best race of people right here, so I'm choosing them. Well, my goodness, if you just read a little bit about Moses and, and, and read a little bit uh, uh, there through the Scripture uh, as, they, as they're traveling through the wilderness, you'd find out that God's not really pleased with his selection. Because, honestly, if you read through it sometimes, I, I get so frustrated reading through these, the, the response of these people after God has done so many incredible things for them, and then they just immediately start griping and complaining. And I think, how can they do this? Until I catch myself griping and complaining. And God's been mighty good to us. Amen? But that's, the truth is, we're not saved because we're special. We're special because we got saved. You know, I mean, it's mighty special to be saved. But, but it's all by, by grace. And, and, and that's what... Somehow the Jews could never grasp that, that it's by grace. He also feel, he feels superior because his race was chosen. And so he refuses the gospel of grace because grace would say they're no better than anybody else. Grace would say uh, that they weren't, they weren't special people. Oh, no, only we can have it. You know, I mean, they got mad at first when... When, when, when Gentiles first started getting saved, they didn't like it when Gentiles, I mean, Peter's got to explain himself. Uh, you know, he's going to Cornelius, you know, why, what are you doing, Peter? Why, why are you going here and preaching the gospel of these people? He said, man, they got the Holy Ghost like everybody else did when they got saved. But they think we're special. And now, you say, what's this all mean? Well, historically, it, it helps us understand why the Jews even struggle today, because they, they, their, their whole teaching somehow has led them to this area of pride. And that pride is going to bring a fall. But that pride is in, in the fact that we were selected because we're better than everybody else. And because we're selected, we're better than everybody else. And so it's just it's this double whammy of pride. And so they're so built up in their pride. But what's the present day teaching? We got to be real careful. And, and I'll say this over and over and over again. We've got to be careful. We don't look down on anybody. We, we can just never get to the point, honestly, which, which you know, it hurts a, a, a lot of churches over, over the years is when, when you've got a group of people that have grown spiritually and then suddenly the church has grown and we've grown spiritually and, and kind of believe some things. You kind of live different, kind of look different, kind of dress different, kind of act different. And all of a sudden, you look different at everybody else that comes in. You, you immediately judge them. You remember I preached when I first got here, a message, look into their eyes. Well, we're going we're gonna to keep looking into our eyes because we want to, the eyes are the window to the soul. We want to see into the soul of people. We can never get to that point where somehow you don't do what I do, so you must not be as spiritual as me. Well, folks, the moment that we feel that way, do you understand that we just became less spiritual than everybody else in the room? Because that's that same pride that destroyed 
the Jews. And we, we just, look, and I, I say this so many times, I believe as strong as any human being in this, this world, I believe. I, I'm strong on my convictions. I'm strong on my beliefs. But, but I, I cannot, okay, the Jews tried to force people to comply and, and to earn their position with God, and it never worked, okay? It never worked. God came to the Gentiles. And listen, as you read and study the Word of God, I'll say this. As you read and study the Word of God, I think it's rebellion on the other end if nothing about you ever changes. Because, I, I, you know, there ought to be something changing. And, and I beg you, when you come into the church, you ought to be asking God, please, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. What about me needs to change? Because, look, that's what this book, the principles of, the, of this book, I was talking at the funeral today, a friend I hadn't seen in, in 35 years, went to grade school with him, and, and he started talking about the, you know, they had a, a little church, and it was, he said, it was wonderful, and preaching the gospel, and he said, and he said, and then we started, he said, just, he, he just got really kind of queasy, we're all waiting in a line, and he just said, well, he just said it, it, it got big really fast, but it just seemed like we started wanting to just entertain everybody. You know, as, as, I, as I talked to him and, and talked to, as we talked for a little about it, I just I realized that we, we've got to get the gospel to people. We've got to see people saved, but we've also got to be very patient with people while they grow. But we who are in here... We have not gotten to a place, a plateau, where we don't need to grow. You see, the gospel of grace is not based on superiority, but on inferiority, actually. We are totally incapable of deserving any good thing. Now, the Jewish people struggle with the concept of grace, the concept of the Gentiles receiving salvation through grace. They struggle with that because, honestly... It makes them less wonderful. It really does. It just makes them, they're, they're not so wonderful as God's chosen people because apparently God must like these people too because he's saving them. So I'm no longer special. It's kind of like, say, uh, you know, again, I've been around the teaching world for a long, long time and and, and there was a statement that was made to me and to a lot of us a long time ago that, that, uh, that teaching is a transfer of knowledge, not a display of knowledge. And I've seen it so much. I've seen it th- through my life. There are those that love to embarrass people, love to demonstrate their superiority in knowledge over the people. Now, wh- wh- why would we do that? Well, if, if somehow, if I transfer everything I know to you, intellectually, we become equal. If I give you everything that I got, then we're going to be pretty much the same. So, I'm no longer special. So it's, we can do that in a lot of different areas. We can do it in intellectually. We can do it in the way we live, what we, how we dress, how we 
what we listen to, what we watch. We can do it in a lot of areas. Well, I don't do that. Well, I'm glad you know. If God spoke in your heart and you don't do that, there's a lot of things that I think we do that we should not do. I think there's things that we ought to eliminate. We'd be better off if we just got rid of a lot of different stuff. We'd be better off if we just never had a lot of different stuff. But the fact that I don't do something does not make me better than somebody who does. Because the moment that I think that I'm above them, to me, that's the greatest sin. That's the greater sin. Because pride is the root of all sin. And, and for me to feel that way, it's the greatest sin. So don't misunderstand me. I believe that we need to be learning and growing until I die. I've got to be learning and growing. I know you're probably hoping that I'll learn and grow and how to teach. But, the, uh, but I'm still learning and growing. And I want to. And the truth is, I, I beg God, keep my heart tender to submit. I had somebody write me today, and, and it, in the words, and I won't say them exactly, but they wrote me today and asked me to pray. They said, because I'm struggling so much being willing to do what I feel God is telling me to do. You know, I'm going to pray for them much because that's a very dangerous, precarious place to be. When God tells you to do something, let me just, here's the one place you better act immediately. If God speaks to your heart about anything, okay, I'll take one minute. When we left here in 1982, God said go on a Sunday night, Monday morning, I resign my job, and Thursday night of that same week we were gone to a place we'd never seen before. And we lost a lot. I lost $12,000 on my house because I had to sell it immediately. And so I had to drop down all the equity on it and made $285 on it. But I sold it over one weekend. And you say, why, why would you do that? Because God said go. And I figured when he said go, he didn't mean go and be like a yo-yo. He meant go. And if, forgive me, and this might help somebody. You know how to keep yourself from backtracking on God? Burn your bridges. If you've got no place to come home to, you don't come home. And we burn our bridges. All right. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love and your goodness. Lord, thank you.